You're tuned into the Kojo Namdi Show. I'm Michaela Lafrak, sitting in for Kojo. Later in the hour, finding humor in local politics. But first, Amazon just released plans for the second phase of their HQ2, their new headquarters in Arlington. Among other features, the company plans to build a large glass double helix tower, which will surely stand out amid Crystal City's blocky office buildings. The tower has drawn a lot of attention in our region and beyond. And that wasn't the only Amazon news last week. The company's CEO, Jeff Bezos, announced he'll soon be stepping back from his role. So what's in store for Amazon's HQ2 project? And what effects could it have not only on the local economy here, but its architecture? Too. Joining us to discuss is Jonathan Capriel, a staff reporter at the Washington Business Journal. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, great to be here. So, Jonathan, let's start by getting our terminology correct here. Is there still a Crystal City, or should we be saying National Landing when we talk about the name for this area around Amazon's <laughs> HQ2? I, oh my gosh, <laughs> what a question. Um, I still call them Crystal City and Pentagon City. Um, <laughs> But uh, I did notice that um, I've been hearing a lot more national landing as of lately. But um, (laughs) I think that's a preference at this point. Okay. So is national landing within Crystal City? Is it just where HQ2 is located or kind of still still waiting to see how this plays out? It's a bit, I mean, I would say that national landing is still a bit, you know, anamorphous. Um, Its borders aren't fully well-defined, but um, for sure it encompasses, you know, Pentagon City, Crystal City, um, you know, it, it... technically should extend into, um, uh, you know, the uh, Potomac Yard, um, the Alexandria section where, uh, you know, Virginia Tech's uh, innovation campus uh, is going to be built. Um, Where it kind of ends from there, I mean, I guess is, um, you know, anyone's guess. Of course, there's the national landing bid, and um, they are only focused in Arlington. But uh, I mean, so yeah, the borders are, I would say, a little fuzzy. And the bid is the business improvement district there. So lots of changes coming to that area. But first, I want to start with with why Amazon has been in the spotlight this past week. Um, And I'd like to begin with CEO Jeff Bezos. He had some big news. Um, What's happened? Uh, Well, obviously, he um, has decided to step away uh, as his role as CEO of the company, something he's done for, you know, um, more than 25 years at this point. And um, and uh, so that way he could focus on other uh, (laughs) uh, uh, his, you know, philanthropic um, uh, adventures, um, his space company. Um, Of course, he is uh, the publisher of the. Uh, Washington Post, and uh, he will still be, um, you know, heading the uh, the board of Amazon. But um, according to um, a statement he released and the company has released, um, he is only going to be focusing on um, what they call uh, one way door decisions, uh, things that um, you know, a decision you can make that um, <laughs> uh, can't be unmade. I guess. Oh, interesting. So, so what exactly do you think Bezos stepping back from his role means in practice, not just for the company, but but for this region? I mean, he has a home here. He, um, as you said, owns the Washington Post. You know, that's it's kind of tricky. I mean, by all accounts, of course, uh, Jeff Bezos was probably the one to come up with the idea and launch the HQ2 hunt, which, of course, ended in, um, you know, Long Island and Arlington both being selected. Um, but, you know, aside from that, um, it's it's difficult to know, like, what exactly 
will happen after that. I mean, will he start living here? I don't know. Um, does it actually impact, you know, HQ2 employees? Um, I mean, the ones I've spoken to have kind of said that they were more uh, excited about the Helix than they were about the uh, uh, Jeff Bezos news. Um, I think the thing that, uh, you know, is still sort of lingering is, you know, who's going to replace Andy Jassy. Of course, he is moving up to um, Jeff Bezos' position, but he was previously CEO of AWS. And um, of course, uh, you know, the cloud computing subsidiary has a giant presence here, um, you know, uh, working on federal contracts. So um, there are a few contenders. Um, Teresa Carlson is one of them. And it would be very interesting if she moved up to that role, because it would certainly be a local CEO um, who, I mean, in theory, would be in the HQ2 area. And that would be very interesting. Jonathan, the the other big news for our region, as I just mentioned, is that Amazon released the design for this new HQ2 tower. And we'll get into the design itself in a moment. But first, can you clarify, is this tower the actual headquarters? Uh, the actual? Well, um, I would say that this is probably the, the anchor, the flagship. It's the, um, you know, uh, I think... Uh, Metropolitan Park was sort of like the appetizer. This is the this is the big development that um, was was sort of like uh, always hinted at that um, that Penn Place, um, the the eleven acre section um, that includes the hotel that Amazon purchased and is is currently tearing down. This was supposed to be sort of like the major uh, development, and Metropolitan Park is just supposed to be sort of like a uh, yeah, like I said, an appetizer to that. Um, when you mean it's the headquarters, I mean, in theory, um, the headquarters is sort of like the, you know, all of the square footage in Crystal City mm -hmm. and in Pentagon City that's currently being built. So, uh, I mean, like, uh, does, uh, does the CEO of the company sit at the very top of the helix? Um, I, I don't I don't think so. But um, but that would be fun. <laughs> in the glass throne. <laughs> yeah. And and I've seen um, with this Amazon Pen Place project that a lot is in store there. Public park, this Helix, of course, retail sh stores, shops, an artist in residence, an outdoor hill climb. Um, seems like a lot is coming to the region. Uh, yeah, no, um, there is at least 100,000 square feet alone of retail that's uh, promised uh, at the base of these buildings. Um, something like, um, there's, there's space for at least four shops at the bottom of the Helix based on what I've seen. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, Amazon has always promised, um, that, you know, these, these, uh, these, these retail spots would be reserved for sort of local, sort of like, uh, uh, interesting artisan kind of businesses. Um, not sort of like chains, right? Like they want, they want their employees to come down and shop local, um, which is of course interesting because Amazon is, you know, has built itself on sort of being like, uh, you don't have to shop local. You can just order it online and have it delivered directly to you. But I mean, that's what Amazon is saying. Um, obviously they are, um, talking about a lot of different ways to activate this um, space, um, including, uh, you know, movies, concerts. Um, something else I always talk about is like farmer's markets. And of course, you know, in Seattle, Amazon um, loves to give away free bananas. They have something called the banana stand and they, they, they brag about the millions of bananas they give away. Um, it's something that almost always comes up uh, whenever John Schultler is talking about um, HQ2, which of course is just very endearing. And that will always make us Arrested Development fans out there chuckle. <laughs> now, speaking of all these new developments, I'd like to bring in Philip Kennicott to the conversation here. Philip is the senior art and architecture critic at The Washington Post, which, as we mentioned, is owned by Jeff Bezos. Welcome back to the program, Philip. Thanks for having me. 
Phil, the glass double helix structure Amazon is proposing has gotten a lot of attention since they announced it. Since we can't show our listeners on the radio what the structure will look like, can you describe it for us? Right. So um, there have been some fairly colorful descriptions of it. I'll I'll choose a relatively neutral one. It's (laughs) meant to look maybe a bit like a shell. Um, think of a serif snell or a conch shell. Um, it has two pathways that snake up, uh, not quite in peril, but in a double helix form. And it rises up to almost a point at the very top. Uh, it's a glass structure, and these pathways that snake around its edges are going to be filled with trees and plantings that are meant to be like the natural landscape of the, um, of, of the mountains to the west of here. Now, I understand you recently interviewed the architect behind the Helix idea. Um, is that correct? And, and if so, what did you learn from the conversation? Right. So I spoke with uh, both John Shotler, who's the um, the vice president for kind of global real estate at Amazon, and Dela Villere, who is one of the architects with NBBJ, uh, which has been tasked with designing this. Um, I learned a couple of interesting things. When I first looked at this building, I had a number of just really kind of basic practical questions. How does this thing stand up? <laughs> well, we know now that it's going to have a uh, a central core. And there'll be kind of fin-like structures, um, beams that come off of it uh, that will then support the the exterior glass and also anchor the floor plates as they come out. There'll be about 14 floor plates. There'll be higher floors than you would normally find in an office building. And the idea is to create a variety of fairly open green spaces that mimic uh, immersion into the natural environment. Now, when we think of Crystal City, um, green spaces, these open spaces that you're talking about and this very creative architecture perhaps isn't the first thing that that pops to mind. You know, of course, there's a lot of big square concrete and glass office buildings. And then I'm also thinking of the brutalist architecture that's very common in D.C. So I'm curious, from your perspective, how does this Amazon building differ from those more traditional styles that we see around the region? Well, probably the most significant difference is that this is not meant to be an office building. Um, if you're building an office building in D.C. because of the um, the price of the real estate market, you try and jam as much square footage as you can into the lot to have allowed. Um, this is really meant as a kind of meeting place, a decompression zone, a place to go and uh, chill out, answer emails, read a book, whatever. Um, and for that reason, it's not it doesn't have to conform to the fairly rigid dynamics that governs the rest of architecture in and around D.C. And that has led almost uniformly to box-like architecture that isn't very interesting. This is certainly very different. I don't know that it's going to be universally acclaimed by architecture critics because there's some strange things going on here, um, but it's certainly going to be very distinctive from what already exists in the region. Well, we're, we're getting a number of tweets and emails from folks who are weighing in with their opinions on the building, ranging from uh, Michael, who emails and says that he likes the design, says it's a refreshing change. Um, another Twitter user, Nothing Clever, tweeted that it looks, frankly, like a glass turd. So a, a real spectrum there. Um, Philip, are there any buildings in our region that might be reminiscent of the designs for Amazon's HQ2? And we have about a minute here. 
Right. So in terms of structurally or uh, in terms of form, no. But there are buildings that try to do what this building does, which is to provide a more kind of natural work environment. And so um, one place would be the um, public health school at George Washington University. From the surface, it does not look anything like this. But inside, you're going to see some of the same things that are aimed at creating an environment that is a little more healthy, a little more natural, involves plants and air and space. Plants and air and space. Well, that is something that that I think the region might be might be looking for, or quite the change to the to the Arlington skyline. We'll continue our conversation about Amazon after just a short break. Stay tuned. Hi, it's Diane. The next meeting of my book club is on Wednesday, May 31st at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll host a discussion of Mad Honey by Jody Pico and Jennifer Finney Boylan, followed by a conversation with the authors. Find out more and register at dianereem.org slash book club. Welcome back. I'm Michaela Lefrac, sitting in for Kojo Namdi. We're discussing Amazon's new HQ2 with Washington Post senior art and architecture critic Philip Kennicott and Washington Business Journal reporter Jonathan Capriel. Now, Philip, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the tower's design. Generally speaking, do you think a helix is an efficient use of space? And what can you tell us about the offices inside? Will, what will it be like for people who are working there? Right. So it's not going to have traditional offices. And so that makes the question, is an efficient use of space a slightly complex one? Sure. Um, this is meant as a, an iconic space. It's meant as a gathering space. It's meant as a place you can go and, and apparently climb a mountain, literally going up these, these paths and get out into nature. Um, so it's not to be judged necessarily by the same standards as office space. Um, so I... I it, I think that probably the way you judge the efficiency of this is, is does, does it communicate the message that Amazon wants to send? Um, you know, there's a term in architecture criticism uh, called the duck, and, and the duck is, is a 20th century building that is shaped like a duck and it sells ducks, right? So it's, it's a building that um, announces through its form um, the symbolic purpose of what it does. And I think this is kind of a classic duck. What is it based on? It's based on the double helix, which is the DNA. And what does Amazon do? It sells everything, just like DNA is the basis of all life forms. So there's a, there's a way in which I think this building um, is meant to be a flag, uh, uh, announcing the Amazon campus, which isn't really going to be a campus. So they needed something to kind of center our attention. It does an efficient job of that. And we got an, a tweet from Annie who said she'd like to know more about the accessibility of the design. She said it seems like Amazon has a real opportunity here to incorporate universal design to make sure that the building is accessible for all people. Can Can you speak to that, Philip? I asked explicitly about that because when you look at the renderings, it sure seems like these external walkways are going to be way too steep for um, anybody, very, very able body people to climb. Um, 
And the answer is that there will be uh, there will be uh, access for um, disabled people through the floor plates that come out from the elevator core. So the building will be be accessible in that sense. I think it's early days to say how much of this space will be accessible. And I think it will be interesting to see how they develop this idea of kind of taking a, a climb up the mountain in a way that maximizes the number of people who are able to do that. Now, I'm curious for both of your opinions here. Um, we'll, we'll start with Philip. Do you think that the design of this building, this very unique uh, architectural rendering, could potentially be distracting us from other questions that we should be asking about Amazon's HQ2 plans? I, I think so. You know, I, I think that, that this is a really glitzy drawing and it's very interesting. It was announced very early in the process, so it's going to go through a lot of changes. But there's a lot of stuff happening right now in Arlington that we need to pay, you know, pay attention to. Um, among them, uh, consider the fact that Metropolitan Park uh, will be um, basically transferred to Amazon um, as part of the arrangements they have with Arlington. Who's going to control these spaces? Who's going to police them? We've seen that there are issues in places like city center, where you have a large private development in the middle of a public street grid, or what was once a public street grid. And the question becomes, what are the First Amendment issues there? Um, what is access for the homeless? Um, how? What is the street life like if this is a campus, but not really a campus for a large corporate entity? Hmm. And, and Jonathan, what, what do you think? Well, uh, when it comes to Metropolitan Park, of course, um, most of that park that they are funding is public. But there is actually a you know a significant amount of space that's near their buildings that uh, won't be. So Amazon, of course, has promised that that'll be a semi or quasi public space that um, that people can use. But of course, if Amazon wants, they can stop people from entering. And um, and in all of the green space, in theory, at Penn Place, you know, belongs to them. Um, you know, Amazon is very careful when it comes to kind of like, you know, they're, they're very mindful of the kind of like activity that happens on their um, their properties. Um, you know, they're, they're concerned about protests. Obviously in Seattle, there's a, you know, a, a large sort of a movement that um, wants to tax the company a lot more. Um, we haven't really seen that as much here, but that is something that exists. You know, and some of the architects that I spoke to, um, at least one of them was somewhat critical of this idea that this uh, this helix would be considered public, um, especially um, if it you know operates in the similar fashion as the spheres did in Seattle, which is that you have to get a reservation to um, enter them. Or so um, I can imagine this would be a very popular thing to do. And um, if Amazon is you know uh, putting out reservations, um, you know I mean like I guess you know you have to kind of like ask yourself is that is that sort of a is that a public space or is it just a you know a corporate space that looks nice. Right. Jonathan, you've you've written about the potential consequences of letting a mega corporation have a major architectural influence on the local landscape. And of course, this is no public building like a museum or a library. Um, Philip, I'm curious what what your thoughts are on that, on the, the difference between this this public space and the private. Well, it's, it's going to, we're going to have to see how it plays out, right? Um, does this become a center for activities that Amazon is not interested in, in which case I think you'll see, you know, a, a fairly um, robust reaction to it. Amazon is stressing in everything it's saying and doing right now, uh, a philosophy that's sometimes known as placemaking. Um, it's the idea that they want this to be in addition to the cityscape. They want to be good neighbors. They want to be integrated into um, the landscape. They don't want to be seen as sort of set apart with big, big gates. Um, that's great. And I hope it plays out that way. Um, 
But on the other hand, you know, Amazon will always be a lightning rod. There's there's a certain irony in the idea of kind of street level retail here for a company that has played such a big role in the decimation of a lot of retail in this country. These ironies will be worked out in the way people decide how they want to use these places. P from Washington, D.C. emails us and says there has been quite a stir over the interesting shape and the use of trees and plants on the outside of this building. Yet we are shamefully behind other cities in the world in both architectural interest and environmental integration. Philip, I'm curious what your opinion on this is. Um, I think, you know, some might say that that D.C. does have a, a wide scope of, of, you know, public parks and and architectural buildings of architectural interest. Others disagree. What do you think? I think DC is somewhere in the middle when it comes to these things. Architects here are aware of it and they, the good ones fight to get those included and they're fighting against the, the usual issues of, you know, how much floor width space can they make available? Um, and it's always a payoff. We can go a lot, uh, a lot farther on those things. In terms of the urban design, I think DC does pretty well in terms of access to green space, certainly better than a lot of cities. I think it'll be interesting to see how Amazon is able to maintain this and, and, as Jonathan mentioned, how actually accessible will it be to ordinary people? Is the reservation system something that people feel is easy and, and available to them? And so there are a lot of uh, people who are not Amazon employees using it. That'll be the question I'm following. Now, Jonathan, is this design for Amazon's glass tower and the surrounding development final? Do the county and its residents get to weigh in at this stage or in future stages again? Uh, it, it, you know, of course, nothing is 100% final until uh, it uh, gets final approval from the county board. Um, it, I, we have, you know, months of, uh, you know, site plan committees, you know, citizen hearings um, before we know exactly, you know, what this is going to look like. I will say that, um, you know, Metropolitan Park was an eight month process um, with several, um, you know, citizens like weighing in. Um, but overall, I would say that there was not too many changes that were made to the overall design. I think ultimately that, um, you know, I, I've spoken to people who are on some of these citizen boards and um, some of them are, you know, very happy with the process and others feel like that, you know, this is kind of a rubber stamp for um, whatever Amazon wants. Uh, so, I mean, it's a place for them to let their voices be heard, but um, but how much influence it will have on the design, I uh, I think that's kind of an open question. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And and if Arlington does approve this proposal, do you have a sense of when construction will get underway? What's the general timeline here? Uh, I believe Amazon is shooting for the beginning of 2022, and they you know they want to have this finished by uh, 2025. Um, you know, I, I was speaking to some architects who wondered out loud if um, you know Amazon would build all three office buildings at one time. There's been no indication that that wouldn't be the case. Um, but uh, but you know Amazon says that they you know they want this done by 2025. Hey, we're going to take a short break here. Thank you so much to Washington Post senior art and architecture critic Philip Kennicott and Washington Business Journal reporter Jonathan Capriel. When we come back, we'll be switching gears a bit and talking comedy, local political comedy, that is. Stay with us.
Thanks for listening to The Kojo Namdi Show. And if you're already a member of WAMU 88.5, thank you for your support. If not, it's easy to give online at wamu.org. Just click the Donate button, and thanks.